Hello everyone, welcome back to the MTG Novels Project. The MTG Novels Project is available both on YouTube and as a podcast version. Check the description for more details. A legal note. This is an unofficial audiobook with original content belonging to Wizard of the Coast. This content is covered under the 2017 Wizard of the Coast fan content policy. Listener discretion is advised. Today we continue with chapter 17 of Planeswalker by Lynn Abbey. Zancha woke, awoke with her butt on the ground and her back against an apple tree's broken trunk. Torn branches with upside down leaves blocked her view of the world. There were green apples piled in her lap and a crook of her throbbed arm. The portal explosion had thrown her so hard that she'd shattered a tree when she fell, but Urzer's armor had kept her whole. Retepe stood among the branches, looking anxious, but not at her. How long was I out? she asked, reaching for the water skin he dangled with her good arm. A bit. He dropped the water skin in her lap. Whatever half his attention was, let go. She pulled the cork with her teeth and took a swallow before asking, What's out there? It came out of nothing, as soon as you follow. His eyes blazed lightning and fire. Zancha imagined the worst, another Frexian. She tried to stand. But armor or no armor, Fraxian or no Fraxian, she'd taken a beating. Her body wasn't ready for anything. Latching onto the hem of Retepe's tunic, Zancha dragged herself upright. The awe-inspiring invader had been Urza, not another Fraxian. Garbed in stiff armor and looking like a painted statue, he contemplated the metal and oil wreckage. He carried an ornate staff, the source of the lightning web that ebbed and flowed around him. Sanja thought Urza had lost that staff long ago, when they were dodging Frexian ambushes. She wasn't entirely pleased to see it again. Her battered arm wanted out of the armor. Sanja would have preferred to wait until she had a better sense of Urza's mood, but there's no time for that. She silently recited the mnemonic that dissolved the armor. Her arm swelled immediately. Has he said anything? she asked. Not a word. The way he looked, I got out of his way. Might have been better if there's another Frexium for him to fry. Might have, Sancha agreed. If there'd been an er upright Frexium in the vicinity, Urza would have had another target beside her. She couldn't remember the last time he came charging to her rescue. In point of fact, she didn't think he had come to her rescue. Since they'd gotten to Dominaria, Sancha's heart had sat gathering dust on a shelf in Urza's alcove. She didn't think Urza had given it a second thought in over a century but she wasn't surprised that he'd been watching it closely while she and Retepe were away. She imagined it had flashed when she hit the tree. Best get over it, she decided, and said to Retepe, You wait here. Though there was no chance he'd pay attention, and she was grateful for the help clambering across the tangled branches. Been a long time since I've seen a complicated one, she said, casually starting the conversation in the middle, which is sometimes the best way with Urza. Rigid and wrapped in power. You should have known better to engage a Frexian, with my brother beside you. Urza was angry. His eyes were fire. His breath, sulfur smoke and sparks. Zancha winced when they landed on her face. He either had noticed or didn't care that she wasn't encased in his armor. She was groping for words that would call him when Dratepe spoke. This was my idea. We wouldn't have gotten in trouble if I hadn't badgered her into tracking the riders all the way from the Burnus Palace. Urza turned away, moving. Palace? 
He'd followed her heart between worlds and didn't know where, precisely where they were. Pinkar cities. A short, hard ride for six men on good horses. Zanshar said and pointed northwest. We spotted the riders going out of Seagate at sunrise. It was my idea to get involved when I saw them laying in Ambulator's nether end. An ambulator? Here? Ursa turned his head to looking for one. He was in here and now. Sancho relaxed. We blew it up in the fire pots. They had another end here. I'm sure didn't want to go through to get the prime. And I didn't want to risk carrying a, a loose nether around with me. Especially not after what came out. I swear I wasn't expecting sleepers. And at the outset, a tender priest. Nothing like this. Urza rolled the wreckage with his staff. Bright compound eyes looked up at the sun. Middle parts claggered. And Retepe leapt a foot in the air, thinking he, it was still alive. They've sent a demon, Urza mused, stepping out of the effluent into its oldest language, per, pure ancient Argivian. Not a demon, Sancho corrected, sticking with effluent, some new kind of priest. Not as bad as a demon, but pretty bad when you weren't expecting a cadre of sleepers. How do you know what it is if you've never seen one before? Retepe asked. A reasonable question. So Zancha wished he hadn't been staring at Urza's eyes as he asked it. Yes, Urza added back an Ephron. How can you be sure? He tipped his staff towards one of the Ephron corpses laying near the Phyrexians. Are they sleepers? They have the smell of Phyrexians around them. Zancha swallowed her shock. Urza had long admitted that she was better at sending out Phyrexians, but he never hinted how much better. And she'd never tried to pull the distinction into words. Any words from any language, including Frexians. This is a priest. She nudged the rector with her foot. Because it looks like a priest. That's not an answer, Reptepe chided. I'm not finished. Sancha got to, on her knees with one good arm, attempting to loosen the Frexians' triangular faceplate. It was a struggle. The tenders had completed it carefully. It had recently received a generous allocation of glistening oil to blind up mind of its flesh to its metal carapace. When she got her fingertips under one sharp corner, Watepe helped her pry it off. Shredded leather hung to the interior of the plate, matching the shreds of skinless but still recognizable childish face that it had covered. It had completed eyes, Zanja explained, indicating the cold wires emerging from the empty sockets. Only the higher priests and warriors have complete eyes. And it had an articulated mouth. That's definitely priest complete. Diggers and such... They just have the cheap boxes in their chests, and all the metal the same, not scraps. That's priest complete, too. It's got no guts, just an oil bladder. A priest got muscles and nerves. Completed, of course, joined with gears and wires. But it's got the brain, it was decanted with. The ma brain makes it go. That's why most Frexians have two arms, two legs. Its brain knows how to do two arms and two legs. You said they weren't flesh, Rapepe interrupted. A Brit, breathless and green choked. He told her once that he hadn't been able to help with the butchering of, on his own family farm. Probably he wished he hadn't helped her now. This isn't flesh. She tore a shredded bit. Not surprisingly, he wouldn't take it from her hand, but Urza did. This is what flesh becomes when it's complicated. They start with a living man and transform him into this. Urza's voice was flat and cold as he grounded the shred between his fingers. They start with a newt. Sancho said flatly. So this is what would have happened to... Vatepe couldn't finish his thought aloud. If I'd been destined to become a priest. She could remember that Sancho, who waited, hoped against hope for tender priests to come for her. 
Would she have been happier if they had? There is no Frexian word for happiness. And my brother, Arthur flicked into shredded weeds. Did he become a priest? Is that why he fought in Argoth? His skin had been stretched over metal plates, over cold water. What was he? A victim, Rotepe answered, before Zancha had a chance. What about the demons and the sleepers? She chose to answer the first part. Sleepers are newts, uncompleted, the way we came out of the vats. But there's oil in the vats, and the smell never goes away. That's how I spot them. This one recognized you, but Tepe always had another question. Santa shrugged. Maybe if I've got its attention first. She rubbed the hollow of her neck. That left arm, Urza. It sought something new at me. Your armor barely stopped it, and for a moment I was going blue. And those castors you made for me, the fire pots. The glass shards are worthless, but the shrieking ones, they brought this piece to its knees. Urza snapped the Rex's left arm at the shoulder with no apparent effort that he needed to break a twig. He angled it this way and that, and the sun's glistening oil poured over his hands. <clears throat> Do sneepers know what they are? Yet another question from Matepe. I was destined to sleep, and I knew. So I assume they know, but I think lately that I'm wrong. The sleeper I've seen don't know, seem to recognize one another. Don't seem to know they weren't born. And if you're going to ask, she pointed to the FM corpses, they're not sleepers. How do you know, Urza demanded. How can you be certain? They're man-shaped, not like you. And they smell. Sancha rolled her eyes. Gix corrected the man-woman mistake before they excoriated him. Sleepers were men and women before I left the first sphere. Frexians know about gender, Urza. They've just decided it's the way of flesh and not the way they're going to follow. These Ephans, they've got oil on the outside from handling the ambulator. Right now, you smell the glistening oil. Sleepers have oil on the inside, in their breath. So you cover your mouth, Vatepe asked. She nodded. He'd watched her do this that more than once. If they're not breathing, you might have to cut them open to be sure. Have you cut them open, to be sure? Sancha answered. I've always been sure. She met Urza's eyes. They were moral brown just now. How many times in the past 200 years has he seen him sent out to confirm her sightings? He's always said she'd been correct. Always. Never told her never to risk encountering them again. But he had never ever sent in a domain, dominarian sleeper. I'll have cut them open. I've killed and eviscerated men and women because they smelled faintly of Phyrexian. But when I examined them outside, I only saw men and women. Not what you have become, but my brother became. Even on the inside, there's nothing unusual about them. They have a black mana essence, but essence isn't everything. It doesn't make a man or woman a Phyrexian. Sancho didn't know what to say and was grateful when Fepe asked, What about demons? The demons are what they are. And that is an answer. There's as old as Phyrexia, as old as an ineffable. They're powerful. They're evil. They smell of oil, of course. But Phyrexia, I knew a demon when I saw one, because I felt fear inside me. Mishra met a demon. Otepe's eyes were glazed. His attention was focused between his ears, where he heard the weak stone sing, Gix. The bees in the orchard were louder than Otepe's whispered declaration, but he got Zanch's attention and Urza's too. Names are just sounds, Urza said. The same as he said when Zancha told him, long before she read the Antixity Wars, that the only demon name she knew, the Brotherhood of Gix, was an ancient before I was born. 
They venerated mountains, gears, and clockwork. They're susceptible to Frex and corruption after my brother, and I advertently broke the Thran lock against Frexia. But neither they nor their god could have been Frexian. Gix promised everything. He knew how to bring metal to life, and life to metal. The temple's voice made soft. It was hard to tell if he was frightened by what he heard in his mind or dangerously tempered by it. Vatepe! Sancho reached across the Regan priest to take Vatepe's hand. It was limp and cold. Those things didn't happen to you. Don't let Gix into your memory. Gix was excoriated more than 3,000 years ago, immersed in steaming acid and thrown into a pit. He can't touch you. You can't seriously think there's, that there's a connection between the memories placed in your mind and those of Mishra's, Urza argued. At best, there's a coincidence of sound. At worst, remember, Zancha, your thoughts are not your own. Have you learned? Still clinging to Retepe's hand, Sancha faced Urza. Why is it that everything you believe is the absolute truth and everything I believe is foolishness? I meant to sleep here, right here in Dominaria. I dreamed of this place. I was decanted knowing the language that you and Misha spoke as children. There's something about this world, above all others, that draws Phyrexia back. They tried to conquer the Thran. That didn't work, so they tried to get you and Misha to conquer each other. Now they're trying a third time. Big wars didn't work, so they're trying lots of little wars. If you wouldn't listen to someone for a change, instead of always having to be the only one with the right answers. Vatepe squeezed Zancha's hand and helped her to her feet. Zancha's got a point, Urza. Why here? Why do the Frexians come back to this world? Urza walked away rather than answer, and this time he didn't come back. I shouldn't have challenged him, Zancha. Leaning against Vatepe, grateful of some to share her misery with and aware to that she would have spoken much differently if there hadn't been three of them gathered around there. The Frexian wreckage. I always lose my temper at the wrong time. He was so close to seeing the truth. But I had to give it all. You're Lord more like Misha than I am, Vatepe wrapped his arms around her. Must have been something Gix poured in your vat. He was jesting, but the joke made Zancha's heart skip a beat. What had Gix said on the first sphere plane? She remembered the spark and wailing herself with the words but the words hung outside of memory's reach. What had happened to Mishra's flesh? Flesh was rendered, never wasted. Had she been growing in the vats while Urza and Misha fought? She thought she had. Sancho leaned back against Vatepe's arms and saw a thoughtful look in his face. Don't, she said. More of a plea than a command. Don't say anything. Don't think anything more. Arms tightened around her, one at her waist, the other encradling her head. She couldn't see his face. But she knew he hadn't stopped thinking. Sanja hadn't either, though she was neither joy nor satisfied in any of her conclusions. We've got to leave, she said, many silent moments later. Someone's going to wonder what happened to those riders. If we're lucky, someone, something, if we're not. Sanja grimaced. But Tepe's humor was missing its mark, and her arm, confessed between them, kept her edgy with its throbbing. Whichever, we're going to have to leave this for someone else to sort out. I've sho I should have shot the priest through before we destroyed the ambulator. Then, then there'd be nothing for Urza to look at. Not sure whether that was good or bad. But Tepe let her go and did most of the work assembling their supplies in a pile for the sphere to flow around. One look at his face and Sancha knew he was disappointed that they weren't returning to Pinkar City. But he never raised the subject. Her elbow had swollen to the size of a watermelon, and her arm, from the shoulder down, looked as if it had been pumped full of water. Her fingers resembled five purple sausages. Her arm was rigid, too, 
It had been centuries since she had an injury Urza hadn't healed. She'd almost forgotten how Newt stiffened when they broke their bones. <clears throat> if Zantia had the nerve... Vatepe had been born with, she would have been curled up, weeping on the ground. As it was, she is grateful for Vatepe's company. Sought the calmest wind streams through the air and brought them down frequently. Twice over the following several days, they spotted gangs of bearded men riding good horses through the summer heat. She grit her teeth and followed them, hoping to find a shroud of stronghold. But both times the men entered their tracks peacefully in palisaded villages. Either the religious lacks had gone to ground, or they'd gone from dreaded to welcome in a little more than a season. She thought of going up to the gates and inviting herself into the council, as she had scarcely a season earlier. Her arm kept her from acting on those thoughts. It was your idea to disperse those villagers, let them spread the word that it was Reb Sipes who were killing and burning villages in the Strata's name. Zancho reminded Rutepe as she guided his fear to its prior course. You're the one who told me I was a friend, because I was the enemy of your enemy. What did you expect? Not this, Rutepe replied with a scowl. Maybe I'm rising now. The enemy of my enemy still has his own plans for me. Zancho let the productive comment slide. High summer was a season of clear, dry weather on Goldmanny's northern ridge. They rounded the rest and proud of the Othran Ridge without excitement, and hurt the first of the big southern coast storms at the sunrise the next day. For three days they camped in a bare hillside den, waiting for the rain to stop. Sanchez's arm turned yellow. Her fingers came back to life. Knuckle by spasm knuckle. Sanchez was in no hurry to get back to the college. Once her elbow recovered from its beating, she could enjoy Retepe's company and his attentions. There's always a bit of frustration. She simply didn't have the instincts for romance, or even pleasure, that Vatepe ex expected her to have. They loved and laughed and argued, walked as much as they soared on the wind streams. They didn't see the college roof until the moon had swung twice through its face, and there was a hint of frost to come in the mountain air. He's there, Vatepe said, pointing at the lone figure. Sancha blinked to assure herself that her eyes weren't lying, but it was Urza, tall, pale hair, and stripped to the waist beside the hearth vigorously stirring something that bubbled and glowed in her best stewpot. She'd always thought Urza as a scholar, a man whose strength came from his mind, not his body. Though Kay Kayla had written that her husband built his own artifacts and had the stamina of an ox. Over the centuries, Urza had been dependent on abstract power, using sorcery or artifacts rather than his hands whenever possible. The sight of a tanned, muscular man sweating left Urza and Zancha speechless. She would have preferred to approach this unfamiliar Urza cautiously from the side, but he spotted the sphere and waved. He seems glad to see us, her Pepe voice was guarded. Maybe it wasn't that Phyrexians had no imagination, but their imagination never prepared them for the truth. Zancha reminded herself that Urza had his heart, her heart on a shelf. He'd followed it to FN Pokar. He could have found her again or crushed the amber stone in his fist. She brought the sphere down beside the well. Urza ran towards them, ran, as a bored man might ran to greet his family. He embraced Retepe first, slapping him heartily on the back, calling him brother. 
Sancha turned away, telling herself that she'd learned her lesson in the apple orchard. Urza didn't have to be the same. He didn't have to be anything except as he wished to see it, as long as he'd fought the Frexians. She hadn't quite finished the self-lecture when Urza put his hands on her shoulders. I've been busy, he said. I went back to all those places I've been before. I trust my insects. If I thought it was Frexian, I believe it was Frexian. I didn't need outside proof. They have a new strategy, Zancha. Instead of fighting their own wars or pulling the strings on one big war, they stir in a horse nest of little wars just inside old Terrassier alone. I have no notion what they've been doing everywhere else. But I'll find out, Zancha. I know Dionysia nest well and I know a score of other planes. But that's going to change too. Come, let me show you. He pulled Zancha towards the college. She dug in her heels, a futile but necessary protest. No, Zancha. This time, this time I swear to the Than, it is not like before. He gestured to Reptepe. Brother, you come too. I have a plan. Urza did have a plan, and it was truly like nothing he'd done before. He'd drawn maps on his walls, maps on the floor, a map on the work table, maps on other every reasonably smooth surface in the workroom. No wonder he was working outside. The many-colored maps were annotated with numerals he could read and a script she couldn't. None of them made particular sense until she recognized the crescent-shaped capital of Bazarat on the common wall. After that, she recognized several towns and cities drawn upside down by her instincts, but accurate so far as she could remember. She guessed the annotation included the number of sleepers he'd found in each city and asked, Are you going to drive the sleepers back to Frexia? Yes, in proper time. The first time, no one was left, and the message was lost. The last time, no one knew what we faced until the end, as you pointed out. Urza included Rotepe in the discussion. Nobody believed the message. This time, I'll take no chances. The Frexians have chosen to fight a myriad of wars. I'll fight them in the same way, with a myriad of weapons. I will expose them. Watch. Urza left her and Rotepe standing in the middle of the room, while he flushed with a tattered basket. His eagerness and delight would, would have been contagious if Zancha hadn't watched too many times before. She'd exchanged a worried, hopeful glance with Retepe when the world erupted into chaos. The chaos was a sound like what Zancha had never experienced. A sound more like piercing than a howling wind between worlds. She tried to draw breath and yawn out her armor, but the sound had taken possession of her body. It shook her as a dog shook in its fur after the rain and threw her to the floor. Her bones had turned to jelly before it reached into her skull, and shook her mind out of her brain. Control of reason returned as suddenly as it departed. Except for a few bruises and a badly bitten tongue, Zancha was no more than dazed. She knew her name and where she was, but the rest was muddled. Retepe stood a little distance away. Zancha realized he hadn't been affected by the attack, but before she could consider the implication, Urza was beside her, cupping her chin in her hands and taking the pain away. It worked, he exulted before she could stand. I'm sorry, but there's no other way. I had to be sure. You? You did that to me? She popped up in the elbowed. Wind. Words. They're both the same. Sound is merely air in motion like the sea. You said the police collapsed because of the whistling shot. I've made a new artifact, Sensha. A potent new weapon. There's no edge. No weight. No fire. It is sound. Urza opened his hand, revealing a lump roughly the size and shape of a ceiling spider. Zancha couldn't accept that something so simple had laid her low. It's too small, she complained. Nothing so small could hurt so much. You gave me an idea when you said the oil was inside the sleepers. Sound, if the right sound, can move things, break things. 
The sound this artifact makes is one that shakes glistening oil until it breaks apart. Sancho would have said oil could not be broken if she had not just endured the sound that had proven otherwise. Do we throw them at the sleepers? We plant them in all the places where Zancho sent his sleepers, Atepe said from the wall, where he had studied several of the maps. Yes. Yes, exactly right, brother. Urza left Zancho's floor. We'll scatter them like raindrops. What will set them off? They're too small for a wicker fuse. Ah, the glimmer moon, brother. A strange thing. The glimmer moon is virtually no effect on tides, but on sorcery. White mass sorcery. It's like a magnet, pulling the matter towards itself. Sometimes strong, sometimes not so strong. But strongest when the great glimmer moon reaches a xenix. So very simple. I made a spindly crystal and charged one end with white mana. I put the crystal inside the spider in a drop of water where it floats on the side. When a glimmer moon go high, it tugs the charged end of the crystal, which stands up the water drop on my little spider, making the noise that affects the Zancha. But not you or I. It is as good as an arrow. <clears throat> but a bit more complicated. Geometry, brother, is the last. Astronomy. Mathematics. You never liked mathematics. Never learned to think in numbers. I've done all the calculations, he gestured at the rain-covered walls. Zanja had pulled herself to her feet. Her anger at being tricked had vanished. This was the Urza she'd been waiting for. The artifacts she'd been waiting for. How far are they? I was, what, maybe four paces away? How many will it need to flush all sleepers in the city? Hundreds, thousands. Hundreds, maybe in a town. Thousands, yes, in the city. The more you have, the greater effect. Then you must be very precise when you attach them to walls. Too far is bad. Too close is worse. They cancel each other out, and nothing at all will happen. I will show you into each tide we pass through, and I will continue to refine them. Otepe's face had turned pensive. Sancho thought it was because he had no part to play in Urza's grand plan, but he proved it wrong as usual. We could make the things worse. I know, Sancho. Phyrexians. But when she fell now, I guess she fell because she was Phyrexian. Gwen had to have something make a noise born folks can hardly hear. Very few are going to collapse on the ground. People won't know why. They don't cut up corpses. They've never seen a Phyrexian priest. They'll think it's a god's doing, and there's no guessing what they'll do after that. The sleeping will be gone, brother. Dead. Lying on the ground. Let men and women think a god has spoken, if that is their desire. Phyrexians will know that Dominaria has struck back, and that's what matters. The message we send to Phyrexia. It is good as saying that the Thran have returned. I'm only saying that if one knows why, no one will understand, and ignorance is dangerous. Then, brother, what would you have me do? Ursa demanded. Handwriting in the sky, a whisper in every dominarian ear. Would you have another war? Is that what you want, Mishra? Another war across Theresier? There, this way, there's no war. The lie is not raped. No one dies. The sleepers will die, Sancho said. In her mind's eye, she saw the first fear, and then all the other newts. The other Zanches with his own hair. She'd slain Newts herself. She'd slain that other Zancha when she got between her and the food. But when she thought about the vengeance against Frexia, she thought about the priests and demons, not Newts or sleepers. Her head said they needed to be eliminated, killed. The artifact by her sound had gripped her. She believed it could kill, but not quickly or painlessly. If her hunch was correct, that many sleepers didn't know why they were Frexians, didn't know why they suffered. But Tepri and Urze watched her. They have to die, she said quickly, decisively. There's no place for them. A shiver ran down her back. Place one of the oldest words in her memory. Her cadre never had a place. They were oxen. 
deprives of everything except their strength, and used ruthlessly to scatter his meat when there's nothing left. I'll do it, she smiled. Don't worry. Waste not, want not. I'll do whatever has to be done until Phyrexian is rolled up like an ampullate and disappears. Her voice had thickened as it did when she yawned, but her throat was as tight with tears, not armor. But it's not true that no one will die. Urza strolled toward her. Zancha, he said softly, insincerely. The closed open door beckoned. She ran through it. Urza tried to call her back. Zancha, no one's talking about you. She ran too far to hear the rest. That was chapter 17 of Planeswalker. Please like, subscribe, and follow on YouTube and on your chosen podcast platform. Thanks for listening.